Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDeshow. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDeshow at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies, to another episode of Watery Desho's Stream of Thought covering Vinland Saga. Uh, I am the subtle doctor, mildly annoyed, but mostly doing fine. Um, and with me, as mm-hmm. always, is, you know, the hardest working man in pod business, John. <laughs> well, uh, not going to be the case today, folks, because uh, I had possibly, let's see, one, two... Three hours of sleep last night, thanks to God knows what. I think my brain just would decide to flip the bird at me. So uh, the engine warning light is on in here, let's put it that way. And possibly also the oil change light as well. So please bear with me as I will uh, muddle through this episode. I'll do my best. Oh, I'm sure you will do quite fine. Uh, of that, I have no doubt. And I think the, the listeners feel the same way. But I mentioned that I was mildly annoyed. Can I share with you why? You certainly um, can. Okay, so this is not related to Vinland. This is a mild tangent, but I promise it won't be long. Uh, unless you have also things to add related to this. Oh, boy. So this is... Uh, oh, So if you're a member of our Discord, you know that I have been like devouring... A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh the, boy, the here we go. Here we go. It's, no, here no, no. It's go. not what you. It's not what no, you think. I, I, it's I not just, what you think. I, it's not. I don't. I'm not thinking anything at this point. I just. <laughs> I just know that this is going to go places, and there's going to be a discourse. TM. Yeah. Okay. About well, this. <laughs> I don't know. This one might be uncontroversial. We'll see. But but um, you will know that I have been eating it up like uh, Ayla eats up soup in Chrono Trigger. Just. <laughs> tossing those huge bowls back and devouring you, those you, you've, been, you've been going through it like Farkel goes through beer and you know <laughs> and brisket <laughs> that's right uh, pork and cow uh, but so I, I finished the third uh, book A Storm of Swords and it was tremendous um, no complaints uh, really it was a mm-hmm. fabulous book it's my favorite one of the three thus far and then I started a Feast for Crows, book four. 
and I have. I'm annoyed. Okay, and not to not to do with not to do with anything with like um. Can I just add, can I just add that pregnant pause you threw in there? Wait before you said like you started reading the book and then you said like you had problems with it. I was like that's mm-hmm. that just spoke volumes to me. Like well, it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would go on. Elaborate. Okay. Okay. So this is not to do with the content of the book. Like this, this is what you might all be thinking, like some sort of story beat or like a lack of a, like a character or something like that. No, 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 no. This is all down to the fucking audiobooks, And so I am reading, reading this via audiobook, mm-hmm. And I've had the same narrator all the way through Roy Detrice. He's done a marvelous job through the first three books. I've spent over a hundred hours with this man. He's telling me the story, giving me the voices. Uh, this been very consistently strong throughout. And then I get to Feast for Crows. Narrated also by Roy Detrice. Uh-oh. But suddenly, suddenly, he's pronouncing names differently. Then again, for a hundred hours, he's pronounced one way. Catelyn, Catelyn, Catelyn Stark, and now all of a sudden it's Caitlyn. Why? Why? And that's not the only one, okay? Uh, Gilly has become Jilly. Uh, Brian, he goes back and forth between Brian and Brienne. Does he get potato mixed up with potato? I mean, that would at least be understandable. (laughs) This is just the pronunciations, and he's changing the voices. That he's done for a hundred hours, Shadon. One hundred hours of the same voices for these characters. Well, I do guess it would be uh, quite annoying if someone did suddenly change their voice unprompted after so long spent with them uh, discussing things over an audio oral medium, if you know what I mean. Yes, I entirely know what you mean. And I promise, by and... the way, not to use that voice again for the remainder <laughs> of this podcast. Like, you know, I get to, I get to cork it just once per evening otherwise after that point my restraining order like you know kicks in and i get taken back to prison so that's the one time you get folks i'm very sorry you had to hear it all <laughs> we don't we don't want that to happen we want you to stay right here but like so i don't know if this is something he's been told to do or that he's just forgetting because every once in a while every great once in a while when he's doing a character he'll slip back into the old voice <laughs> but then he'll it'll recover. Well, that's well, that's when the person holding you know the uh, the Glock nine millimeters to his head just looks away for two seconds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can't do these voices anymore, man. You have to check. I don't know why. It's not like there's been like a time skip. <laughs> like things are pretty close to like chronologically the end of the last book. So it's not like this been this massive. I don't know. It's just I, fucking I, I have me. to say though, Doc. Like, I I understand your annoyance because it's you know, say something you're now very intimately familiar with. But when you were go- leading up to that point where you revealed that it was still him doing it, I thought, oh, he's going to say someone else is doing it. Um, well, that's obviously not the case. But I'm just going to say no. it could be much, much, much worse. You could have had him swapped out for, dare I say it, Ben Shapiro. You imagine him erasing <laughs> this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Be careful what you wish for. Be grateful for what you have. Oh, I can imagine, like, Stephen Molyneux. Like, I feel like he's got the sort of voice that people will be like, oh, yeah, let's bring him in. 
and he'd sort of talk about Western civilization and you know the fall of the Roman Empire and what have you. Yeah, like... I mean that would that would just make me want to take a set of shears to both my fingers and my nose and my ears, if you know what I mean. Do it to myself. I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't need an angry Welshman you to do it need... to me. Oh man, you're a master of segues because the horrible things that you just referenced are exactly what we'll be talking about yep. right after this. I mean, Askeladd, you know, he followed up Canute's cooking lesson with his own, where he really did show, you know, that to make an omelette, you have to break a few eggs, or specifically one, conehead-shaped one. And this time we get his lesson in manicuring. It's great! Content warning for for this Vinland saga. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying to be late for that now. Which you know, I mean... <laughs> A concept warning for this show that's featured like people being decapitated en masse because Forkel is basically the Viking Look. equivalent of the Doom Slayer. <laughs> but even okay, even, yeah, yes, given yes, all you're that, right. there you're is right. still like a level like that this episode ratchets it up to. Yeah, particularly with torture, like you know, there's the sort of different kind of flavor of content warning for just like graphic violence, and then there's the whole torture stuff. And then Which there's is like a new thing. Yeah, this little piggy had roast beef. This little piggy went to market. <laughs> I I had to look away. Like I couldn't watch it happen. And I almost looked away with the nose, but thankfully they didn't go through with it. But I, I you know, there's no need for us to get into a lot of detail with it. If you watch the episode, you know what happened. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't and want to skip those parts, feel it, free it, to skip it, them. It, it wasn't quite a penguin drum sculptor sculpting, shall we say, but it was uh, almost in the same ballpark for unpleasantness. Almost. I mean, it. were you thinking about uh, Stuck in the Middle with you? Did that start playing in your head? No, but Did now you that... you see Mr. Blonde but, like but, sidling up to... But if I know. may point out, uh, I'm going to just reveal a little factoid for you folks. I kind of cheat by having the episode replaying as I do the podcast just on silent, so that way I can just, you know, keep it fresh in my mind. Uh you are literally describing that as I am watching that very scene right now. So naturally, of course, it is playing in my head while this is happening. Uh, that could not be more perfectly timed. Yeah. Uh, oh god. But then again, you were thinking it more in the context of, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. That is what I was. Is, is Ascalad Mister White? That might be a poll question for later. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that poll question. Uh, so is Mr. White uh, Harvey Keitel? Yes. Okay, okay, yes. Um, yeah, he's probably one of the ones stuck in the room for sure. <laughs> yes, I would think so. But uh, okay. does, that, does that make Bond Steve Buscemi? I'd have I'd, I'd be okay with Steve Buscemi voicing Bjorn for some reason. I don't know. I could get I could get down for that for but sure. Steve Buscemi's a good guy. Anyway, let's crack on and talk about the actual uh, episode. Uh oh. Um, I don't know if I'm going robotic on your end, but on my end and for the stream, uh, you're breaking up a little bit. So yeah, you are, yeah, to... yeah, okay, you I'll call too. you back. Yep, let me call you back. Got the uh, video down, and now I am recalling. All right. Uh, so okay. I think I think, I think Doc has you know uh, reinstalled his firmware, so that way he doesn't sound like <laughs> the actual Terminator that he is. You know, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. <laughs> I wish I could hear it, uh, but but unfortunately I can't hear the roboticisms. I can only hear yours. And, oh, I'm uh, I've always been a robot. I've never pretended to be <laughs> anything else. Um. 
well there's a good the in your your image it's like uh like a like a hostage video you know occasionally just like like breaking up and you'll stay in the same position and mm-hmm. i'll be hearing your audio but you won't be moving it's mm-hmm. it's a whole thing um all right so vinland saga this is what we're here to talk about primarily um but first before we get into episode 16 history of beasts uh it would behoove us to check the polls from last week and it certainly would uh so i have this here yeah. i have them up here so uh these polls have been done by doc so obviously they're not going to be you know the curse pagan voodoo variety that i've previously dished out uh, it might be a bit more wholesome this time so without further ado episode 15 poll one how do you feel about the ragnar diet and 50% said, love it, need those veggie. 23% said, it's best, but no likey. And 27% said, no, me. It's the cheese satanaka answer there, to be quite honest. Uh, and so, yeah, apparently we've got more vegetarians in the audience than I expected. Hey, fair, fair play, see? Fair play. I, I respect that. Uh, I will freely admit that I went for the meat option. And yes, you can indeed quote me out of context on that. Make yourself a little sound clip <laughs> on that. Well, the Thorkel diet is an omnivorous one, because I'm not sorry, not Thorkel. I mean uh, Ragnar. The, the Ragnar diet is an omnivorous. Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, Thorkel's, I would argue, is still omnivorous. <laughs> no, he's a carnivorous because <laughs> he, he would like he would just devour everything in sight. Like he would, yeah, you know, he would. Like <laughs> if he asks, you know, you ask, say, do you want a hamburger? We say, no, I'll just have the cow. Yes, I'll have it raw. Just yep. skewer it for me. Mm. Uh, but no, Ragnar was he 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 liked the meat well enough, but he just understood <laughs> the importance of uh, pairing it with a good vegetable. <laughs> Ragnar liked the meat; it's a thing. It's true. I can so, tell I'm, just by looking I at him. I have such, that ask glad such a, I am such <laughs> a juvenile prick. I'm so sorry. All right, okay. Uh, so moving on. Uh, this is actually we still invite about... that kind of humor. It's it's good. We do. We do. Uh, so in the next question. Who wins a drinking contest between Farkel and Bjorn? Uh, 60% said Farkel, only 4% said Bjorn, and 36% said draw and they become best friends forever. Uh, I went for Farkel myself because I get the feeling like the man is just invulnerable to booze. Like, you know, like imagine mm-hmm. like if you're drawing up a D&D character and you give them a, t- a talent or a feat that makes them immune to poison. That's Farkel's like one of his feats there. You know, completely invulnerable to booze, the effects thereof, and hangovers. It's true. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That put write that on his magic card. Mm-hmm. And episode fifteen, poll three, which actually, believe it or not, has only four minutes left to go, but we might as well close it now. Uh, did you see it coming that Ragnar was a bad motherfucker? And forty-five percent said hell no, and fifty-five percent said hell yeah. So, how did they see it coming? I guess maybe they read the manga, but <laughs> I just how, that one really got me uh, off guard that he was such a cool dude. I thought for sure. He would, uh, I don't know, maybe not be a coward, but I just didn't know he had it in him to be such a badass. Mm. Ragnar had his moments, certainly, uh, but mm-hmm. well, rest in rest in peace, Ragnar in peace, as they say. <laughs> Ragnar, yes, Ragnar in peace. Go to the land in the sky with all the deer, rabbit, and all the vegetables. Yep, where he finally doesn't have a cone head anymore because he gets his hair back. <laughs> Ragnar the full head of hair in the afterlife. Oh mm-hmm. my. Would recognize I, him. It's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> Do you feel uh, seen by by Ragnar now, by the show? Uh well considering he dies prematurely, I hope not. <laughs> well, no, yeah, that's 
That's a <laughs> that's a con, I think, on the list. Yeah, also being an over, overly coddling, you know, overly protective father figure. Uh, I don't know. This, I I think all that Ragnar really had going for him was like one amazing O face expression he had. He did being... really. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he, had, he had a good heart, but, you know, he was, you know, the victim of hubris, you know, like the best of intentions and all that. Uh, unfortunately, blinding him to the reality before him. Oh, well. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Ah, uh, well. Anyway, thank you very much to everyone who took part in the polls. There will be more coming up later as we progress through the stream, so do check out our Twitter, at Warrior Death Show. Uh, we'll have some jokey ones, some serious ones, and maybe some a little bit in between. And probably ones in which, once again, everyone will think that I'm talking out my ass and I'm some sort of, like, you know, evil heretic. Uh, but hey, you know, I, I stick to my guns on this stuff. So, over to you, Doc. Let's talk about the episode. Alright, enough about gun sticking. Let's talk about uh, History of Beast. Kedamono uh, no... How do you... Uh, rekishi? Is it just Rekishi? Kedamono no Rekishi? I thought it was by its alternative title, Kimono Friends. <laughs> that yes <laughs> did, did, did you did you just have like a mild aneurysm when you heard I that might I, have. I, I, I might I have I felt I felt like I broke you then <laughs> saying that <laughs> oh that was one of those ones I never could get into even though people were very hyped for it and I understand why I've heard about why it's good it just um I just didn't stick with it. I ne I never watched it myself, so I can offer no judgment. I only know that it became more famous because of the whole penguin shit. But we'll not get too tangentially distracted about that. As much as I otherwise would like to talk about penguins. Anyway, onwards with the episode. Okay, so uh, once again this week, I'm a little bit stymied as far as the the creatives. I mean, we got uh, the information uh, from Wikipedia. The uh, the writing duo remains the same as it always has. The director is um, Takashi Ando. However, um, when I look up uh, on Mal and Anime News Network, I've got records for Takeshi Ando, right? But not Takashi Ando. Hmm. Um, oh, so, he, so in other words, uh, this... This was all Wikipedia was written by the guy who did narration of the audiobook you listened to before. He's getting the names <laughs> yeah. mixed up. Oh, I feel quite proud of that one. Definitely. I feel quite that's proud of definitely. that one. Definitely. That's a, like uh, a circular storytelling, the continuity. Ah, um, maybe I'm more awake than I realize, or I give myself credit for. Mmm, <laughs> your third eye is opening. Um, but, but uh, like, the, and this person has done some interesting stuff, but I just don't think, I don't know, the, I, I have no idea if there's just a typo on Wikipedia or if they're different people and one doesn't have a... Uh, but why do you just name Jim? That'd be good. I would appreciate that. I'm actually more, just more Jim. <laughs> more Japanese people call yourselves Jim. Uh, no, okay. So that out of the way now. Uh, so uh, oh, and so let, Andy in chat actually. Let's address what he's saying. So random thought: there was slow, soft piano playing during the scene when Canute gets slapped. Bright slapped. Might I? Might I add? Uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the backhand though, which did surprise me. That's true. I guess I did I, I, right I, I did think yeah. Vasquez would do that, but no, he was actually. Then again, maybe as we'll get to, maybe that just is a symbol of how he views Canute. Uh, mm. So the same song is first played during Thor's famous "You Have No Enemies" lesson to Thorfinn. 
Ah, musical motifs. I did notice the soundtrack actually more this episode. Yeah, it was some good. There was some very strong music in this one. Some very, uh, very strong totally. pieces. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for for bringing that up, Andy, because it is worth mentioning uh, about this episode. And you know, uh, I guess we have a. <laughs> is that like a motif when fathers teach their sons hard lessons? <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't know. Um. Because it is interesting how the, those two are linked, and they're not dissimilar. Those scenes, uh, not entirely dissimilar, I would argue. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So summary: the summary of the history of Beast. The high points: uh, the episode opens with Canute uh, mourning Ragnar. Um, but of course, uh, we don't have time in this universe to mourn our dead to grieve uh we have to be moving on Mm -hmm. because there is danger but we do Uh, have time to lie out of our teeth because mm -hmm. that's what asgard's doing here and in my head canon i can only imagine uh, him expanding on this in various ways uh such as jokingly you know saying that oh it was actually a blue colored uh spearman with a crimson spear like you know uh named kukulain i believe his name was bit of a weirdo uh, <laughs> right. or or alternatively you know just him joking oh yeah ragnar also said you were a wheezy little shit stain and do you wish you know you you've been thrown off a boat when you were younger i mean that's just asgard at this point like you know his cruelty mm. like when he exercises it, it is like full bore as we will see later on uh, when he just, man. when he when he decides to open his own manicure business, oh. uh, so yeah, so Bjorn and Askeladd have this conversation uh, about you know needing to go. Bjorn is expressing doubt about whether killing Ragnar was the best thing or not, mm-hmm. um, and you know Askeladd says Ragnar made Canute weak. Bjorn, in a point that we've brought up before, says, like, well, it's a good thing that he, you know, him being weak will be fine because then you could control him and you could use him to attain more power. Uh, And Askeladd has a really interesting reply. Like, he's actually interested in making Canute into a worthy lord. Mm. Someone who people would want to follow. Um, And so he sort of tells Bjorn he's joking, but then it's pretty clear that he's not joking, I think. And yeah, he he uh it, it's so interesting that kind of it's almost like they're sort of the two different sides of the political battle back in Denmark. Mm. Um so yeah, like because because Harold, I guess the people that support Harold, the reason they would support him is they would say like he's worthy of our support. He's an actual warrior. He could mm-hmm. fight. And Askeladd wants to make Canute into that, which is like good luck, buddy. You know, I mean, <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, I just imagine Askeladd just rolling up his sleeves like this, oh, oh. like you know, game ready to put some real graft in on this one. Mm-hmm. Shit! Yeah. I hope I hope he's got a project plan and everything. You got a, you got whiteboards. Have so you got whiteboards, Askeladd, with detailed yeah. plans? <laughs> you just see like uh, people like it's playing that uh, music uh, from Evangelion and the one that's also in Shin Godzilla. Yeah. 
when you... they like lay out the tables and like throw down their laptops and build up the war room. Can, can, you, can you imagine that being done as a montage? Like, you know, where As- like there's no dialogue and it's just Askeladd just pointing to a blackboard and Bjorn just there taking notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then Askeladd's testing later and all Bjorn can do is just draw mushrooms on the blackboard. <laughs> Why is your pie chart shaped like a mushroom, Bjorn? Focus! Focus! Because it's mushroom pie? um yeah no andy for for sure um like harold definitely a typical warrior and i mean maybe maybe Askeladd doesn't think he can make canute into a warrior but um he he wants him to be uh someone that men choose to follow on their own because Mm -hmm. he's a great lord um and i'm just kind of assuming that warrior would be the fastest line between point a and point b there um, mm-hmm. Well, it definitely applies and, to one character that we uh, see again later in this episode, but I'll elaborate on that later. Okay. And uh, enjoy your dinner, uh, Dana. We'll try uh, not to like get too graphic. Uh, we'll try. We'll try and actually like hold off from discussing the manicure scene as long as we possibly can, so that way you've been mm-hmm. eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I hope you're not having KFC because the very idea of it being finger licking good is the worst thing you could say. Oh. About. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Well, we kind of have to come onto that scene now, but oh shit! But we don't have to talk about the so so. Askeladd uh, and Bjorn move on from this discussion to uh, this captive that his men have. They have an English soldier uh, being held captive, and they're trying to get some information from him. You know, hey, where uh, are? Your boys, how many are there? When are they going to get here? And he won't tell them. Why is the, why is the capacity of an unladen swallow? Yeah, <laughs> African or European. Yeah. Um, and so he is basically just like you know, God sees you, God judges you, you're evil, fuck you, and um, bad ass God, bad. Yeah, and uh, you know he has some choice things to say about the Danes and. Uh, a polite Danish question. He has some choice things to say about the Danes being beasts, mm-hmm. savages. Uh, and then Askeladd is like, you know what? I'm going to give you a history lesson, my friend. Mm-hmm. Listen. And then he goes on to, as I mentioned in our Discord, elucidate, like, front and center what I've been talking about um, for a few weeks, what I think the show's been alluding to. And this... And you've talked about how this might apply to Vinland, the place. Um, but Askeladd basically gives him this lesson that is like, you know, hey, we're taking the land from you, but you took the land from someone else, and they took the land from someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that whatever kind of good things you want to say about your civilization, mm-hmm. you know, people that it keeps safer or or advances yep. it makes technologically. It's always based on the original sin and its foundation. There's yep. always blood in the foundation of the city because the land always has to be taken. Yep. And invoking yeah, the a... a- the ancient, you know, uh, rite and tradition of because I said so. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so, like, can, like, it's an interesting question, I guess, to think about, like, you know, societies and their legitimacy. Uh, despite the fact that they are based on really kind of a crime, you know, always. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It's an interesting thing to think about. And I think, like, this point in the episode, I think that this is an issue that is easy to kind of be like, whatever. Or, of course, I know that. Uh, because we learn about it in history books. Mm. And it's an abstract idea. But it applies to all of us. Like, all of us are participating in this. This sort of circle. Because we're all taking benefit from, like, society. All the benefits and and uh, the safety and, and everything that affords. And those are great. I'm happy I have them. But at the same time, I know that they are based on like this crime at the heart of mm-hmm. it, this awful, mm-hmm. heinous act. And mm-hmm. this is the nature of all civilizations. And uh, it's like a thing to grapple with. I don't think it's a thing just to gloss over. Yep. Kids, the word of the day, colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fucking um, great. And during this scene, at one point, to illustrate, oh, I think to illustrate the cyclical nature of all this, uh, you have an owl eating the ear of a man, um, mm-hmm. plucking it away and flying away. You know, this is not the scene that the Lion King would use, uh, but it is the circle of life kind of idea here of like, you know, uh, even when you're dead, your body being used by nature and returning to it and mm-hmm. uh, cycles, all that again. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was good. Um, well, uh, boy, uh, now that we are done with dinner, Dana, uh, yeah, so the, the next scene, because, uh, the guy refuses to crack, uh, Askeladd cracks him open, um, in pretty heinous ways, Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll move over that. Uh, insert, you know, all the barber jokes from before and the manicure jokes and all that stuff. Um, but before he talks, before he is uh, ended... Be- before uh, Ascalad plays the infamous kids game, Got Your Nose. <laughs> right. Yes, before that happens. Uh, it's, you know, the ear comes running up to camp. And by the way, why did the ear shave suddenly? Because he Why didn't does he have be... no mustache? Because he didn't want to be the beard. <laughs> like, why all of a sudden? It's just weird that just a character has a mustache for his entire run. And then randomly in an episode, it's just gone. For no... <laughs> it's You know, and it doesn't really mean anything. It's not like, you know, cutting your hair to, like symbolize a new beginning or whatever it's well, just he, a mustache look right you know even in even in dire straits as uh Asgard and his men are you've still gotta look your best come on man you gotta put up or shut up on this show you gotta keep yourself well groomed <laughs> you want to help the morale of all the other all the other soldiers or maybe so, that or, may, or maybe maybe that or the year was auditioning for an old spice advert i don't know <laughs> let's hope so uh, well, so the ear is the bearer of bad news as usual, I think. Uh-huh. Thorkel. Thorkel is coming. And, Shadon, uh, have you seen The Wire? Uh, I have not, but go Okay. On. Well, there's a tremendous character in The Wire called Omar. 
And I've posted in our Discord a clip of this. Like, basically, whenever Omar comes around the neighborhood, everyone is like, oh shit, Omar's coming. And they run indoors, and the neighborhood becomes a ghost town. Because because Omar is just a bad motherfucker. You, you know, you know, what I love about this scene though, where um, the well, it, it isn't the year like who announces that Fall Keller's coming. It's actually the British guy, and this, funnily enough, like is the trigger point for the what I believe to be the beginning of the end for Askeladd's like little entourage here, uh, or the group yeah. cohesion thereof. Uh, now, whether or not he knows it's Fall Keller or not doesn't matter at this point, because obviously all of the Danes here they know who Fall Keller is. They know he's a bad motherfucker. They know that he is basically um, Vinland Saga's equivalent of John Matrix from Commando. You know, a man who's a brick shithouse, seven feet tall, weighs 400 pounds of solid muscle, and he will kill a man with his bare hands. So, yeah, they're, they're all screwed, if it, like, or at least even they think they're screwed. Yeah. But what I find hilarious about this is after everyone starts losing their shit because all like the, the rumour spreads like wildfire and asks that four killers come in, we cut to Far Kell himself, and he's got a fucking cold. He just sneezes. <laughs> I like scourge of Viking of the Viking realms, decimator Making... of men and women and children alike. <laughs> Grown men in, like are it's quaking. Impossible to defeat force of nature. Far Kell, he has the sniffles. <laughs> oh man, it's a it will make a good Kleenex advert. It really would. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's on his way, and he tells his boys not to kill Thorfinn, mm-hmm. and not to kill, uh, the prince. Uh, Thorfinn is his playmate. Um, I'm very glad that? that, I'm very glad that it's been established before, like, you know, like, what that might mean, because otherwise, Jesus Christ, Farkel, come on, man. Don't put, <laughs> don't put it in such terms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it just that makes me think of. I only think of GoBots when I but, hear. But but then again, I, I have I have said the Falkel is basically a child before, so I suppose the language fits. It does. It fits. Um. So, uh, once of course the group learns that, Askeladd says, "Well, guess what? Time to haul ass." Uh, but Canute is, you know, mad that he has to leave. Doesn't want to leave. Wants to mourn. Uh, give Ragnar a proper burial. All that stuff. And uh, Askeladd, cold bastard, as we have pointed out, uh, just <laughs> slaps him across the face and gives him this look. It's like, look, he's not coming back, kid, no matter how many times you call for him. And in that look, you can tell Canute, the realization washes over him. This mm-hmm. is the person that killed him. I'm actually going to put that to a poll just this second. Let's see if you at home agree that Canute already knows or not. But even if you don't, uh, just bear in mind that particular moment of body language, because I'm mm-hmm. going to address that later in a talk point, because this episode, that's one of its key strengths, actually, in how it handles body language of a lot of characters, but we'll save that for later. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to type up a poll, and Doc's going to keep talking. Yeah. And uh, when... You know, when Canute uses uh, the, the, when he refers to Askeladd at that point, he says, you know, Kisama, which uh, is a pretty disrespectful way to refer to someone. So again, it makes me think like he, he knows. He's, his to- his least... tone and mannerisms in that second actually, to me, remind me a lot of Thorfinn. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he believes, I should say. Maybe he doesn't know, no, but because it's true, we say he knows, but he, he believes. Um, so, uh, you know, it turns out that Askeladd, as you said, uh, uh, he's his, uh, how did you put it? That the cohesion he had among his troops, the loyalty that they bore him when things were going well, when the sun was shining, um, he, uh, that, that is fading. Uh, and a lot of his men are wanting to desert. Uh, and they actually find two of them hiding in the hay and throw throw them down before Askeladd and be like, look, deserters. And you think, oh, well, they're going to die, but Askeladd spares them. It uses this as an opportunity to make a speech, right? Saying, mm. like, look, you know, if you want to desert, fine. Go ahead. Go to the other side. I don't care. Uh, but uh, follow me. If you want to follow me, if you want to live, follow me, and we'll march, and we'll keep marching, and we'll lose Thurkel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asgard actually has the right idea with this because we, of course, learn in a little bit what Falkel does to the people who do decide to come, you know, waving the white flag to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, the next line I have in my notes is gore and squishy flesh uh, because mm-hmm. it's just lots of squishy sounds uh, and hard cutting noises and, uh, you know, limbs and blood flying through the air as uh, Thorkel, the human blender. Uh, you know, speeds mm. through uh, the scene, mowing down all before him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he does not care that they are deserters. You know, some people are just like, we're not like Ascalad. We think you're the greatest. And no, they get cut up too. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, Falkelly, interesting cows are traitors, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we come to this really interesting scene where uh, the Ascalad's group crosses a bridge. And they uh, want to cut it down to uh, delay Thorkel, to delay their pursuers. Um, turns out uh, the river is actually not that deep and they could cross on foot. So the delay will be minor, but Askeladd wants to do it anyway. And during this scene, the two brothers in arms, you know, the, the two uh, people the, that were what? arguing with the priests, yeah, the, like the Smash Brothers... Uh, Bash Brothers. Uh, <laughs> when, the ba- when the Bash Brothers like contested some wacky races, or am I misremembering? Uh, I think the Bash Brothers were on. I know them from Mighty Ducks. They could have also been in in wacky races. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anyone has like the trait has trademarked the Bash Brothers yet. <clears throat> but um, yeah, they they are like you know one of them. I don't know their names, but the bigger lad. Is basically like, look, dude, Askeladd is done. All we got to do is take the prince to Thorkel, you and me, get on his good side, work when we're in. You know, Askeladd's cool, but like, his luck is running out. You know, I just don't want to be, I don't want to die, right? You don't want to die. And so uh, the other guy's sort of hesitant, but he ends up agreeing. Askeladd, of course, sees this because they're right under the fucking bridge plotting, yeah. and Askeladd is on top of the hill, and he's like, okay. Um, Thorfinn, I mean, Bjorn. I mean, it's. I mean, just to point something out, right? I know that these guys like are clearly in a desperate situation, um, but it might behoove them not to be talking out in the open when Askeladd is known to have a guy 
who, you know, literally is called The Ear. <laughs> nice one, dipshits. Didn't think, yeah, did, didn't, think, didn't think that one through. Now, no. granted, Ask, Askeladd clocks them anyway because he's just got that intuition about him. But, I mean, you know, if it turns out we've got a guy whose literally only job is to sense, like, you know, and hear the movement of enemy troops from across great distances, mm-hmm. maybe we should just be passing notes around like it's class. Just saying. <laughs> Well, maybe he's like uh, the equivalent of like of uh, of nearsighted, but with his ears. Like he can hear far away, but he can't really hear close by. <laughs> maybe oh, that's I, what they're banking. I, I, I really, really <laughs> wish I had that talent. It would be great for me to deal with people at work. Like, sorry, what? Can you just go a bit further away? Yeah, keep going. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay, you're on the opposite side of the room now. So now you t- tell tell me. What now, now, now we're good. <laughs> um, but yeah, Asklad sees this, and and he sees. Uh, actually, that a lot of people are bearing these sentiments, and you know he calls over Bjorn and Thorfinn and says, "Like, look, move the prince, and you two guard him, because I can see, I can tell. Like, I have a talent." He says, "I have a special talent for looking at people's faces and judging their characters." So he feels like he can just look at people and see whether or not they're loyal or disloyal, and um can see whether or not his people are going to betray him. And they cut they cut the bridge down. The bridge collapses. And... Uh, Symbolism. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I can't decide whether I want to talk about it now or later. But like, uh, Just to answer your question, uh, Dana, um, they probably don't, to be quite honest, but I still think they probably should have put two and two together and thought... Bad idea, perhaps? Maybe we should just do gestures. Like, you know, like point to Asgard and then go... <laughs> ah. Yeah, that's definitely would him, work. Him. For sure. Let's make the stabbing motion. Um, Like, do the noose and then point to Asgard. Yeah, I was going to do it. I, there, I could think subtle. of a couple of other gestures as well, but they're probably not idea appropriate right now. <laughs> so uh, I'll leave that to your imagination. Yeah. Yeah, so... uh, Well... Once, uh, you know, the the bridge is cut down, they start to, to head out. But, uh, you know, okay, so you got this idea I wanted to bring up, Asclad running out of luck, right? Um, mm-hmm. That is what they say is happening. And uh, there is a tiff um, because the ear is like, yo, it's Thorkel. Thorkel is here, right here, and then Thorkel makes a human kebab out of I was, <laughs> oh my god. Like, I joked before about, like, a Lancer-class servant being involved in this show, but we literally just had that happen. And you're right, I thought the same thing. I was like, this man has just literally invented the kebab. Yes, yes. Granted, granted, I hope he doesn't eat any of them. Also, uh, like, come on, guys, don't line up in a row here. you've you've seen what this man is capable of indeed indeed you have and so um yeah the kebab uh from from thorkel um and it goes all the way across the ditch right that he doesn't even have to cross the bridge to take out four guys and asklad is like ignore this let's just ignore this (laughs) ignore this this. (laughs) He really is like, pay no heed to the human kebab over here. 
Uh, we're just going to keep. I'm just reminded motion, of. I'm reminded of that scene from The Naked Gun where Leslie Nielsen's <laughs> character is outside the house. He's like, please disperse. There's nothing to see here as a tank just drives through it. <laughs> but again, totally. that's, that's Ascalad's thing this episode. He just downplays everything. It's yes. like, but it wouldn't melt. Butter, butter wouldn't fucking melt on that man, I tell you. <laughs> I know. A lot of like sighing and rolling his eyes and going, you know. Uh, but like, so yeah, he's basically like, let's, we just need to keep moving. And finally, you know, big Jojo bro kicks snow, <laughs> kicks snow at him, which is the funniest, <laughs> like a sign of disrespect. Like he didn't spit at him. He didn't curse him. He just kicked snow at him. <laughs> it's just like, no, we're not going to go. We All you say is march, 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 but it ain't happening. And, uh. There's no way it Ascalad's like, oh, you moron, look, if they leave their supplies on the other side of the river, they can only follow us for a day. Uh, I, I don't mean, know he's... how like how much I mean... that is BS or what, you know. Well, to be fair to uh, Ascalad, he probably figures for Kel for being a big eater. <laughs> exactly. So, he, yeah. yeah, he knows. <laughs> he knows that, he, you know, they... Like, if Falkel wasn't coming with them, they could probably march much longer, but that man is just, like, mm-hmm. constantly down to be... Jokers I might, like, you hear about, like, bodybuilders, like, I think, for example, like, Hugh Jackman, when he was training to be Wolverine, like, as in physically training, mm-hmm. like, he was, like, eating something like 60 raw chicken breasts a day or some, something insane like that <laughs> to build up his physique. And yeah. you look at Farkel, and he looks like he's at least nine foot tall, and, you know, it's probably, like, 90% muscle by weight, or some yeah. shit like that. Like, you know, it, the man, the man is literally beefcake. Like that totally. is that is probably what Farkel translates from. Um so <laughs> joke as I might, like, he literally probably does need that much just to sustain himself. Protein and uh, orange soda. He's just he's just getting a giant chicken and just eating it all in one. That's his chicken nuggets, by the way, just the whole chicken. Popeye's bringing back the spicy chicken sandwich, that's for Thorkel. <laughs> <laughs> no other just that they they I think it's coming back. I don't know. This these things pop up on my Google uh, mm. or on my Twitter trending. It's trending that Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich is returning. Um, <laughs> two bears a day. I mean, who? <laughs> <laughs> well, well put, Andy. Two bears a day. So, I've never had this Popeye spicy chicken. Please let me know if it's any good, and then I'll just be jealous of it because fried chicken is not a thing that I eat very much these days. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah. Ask like it's snow kicked at him. And he tries to tell them, hey, we need to just go. And they say, no, actually, uh, we're revolting. And they surround basically his entire squad, except for Thorfinn and uh, Bjorn, surround mm-hmm. them. And, like, I find this incredibly, like, ironic and interesting, Shadon, because... I would say the first person to doubt Askeladd was Bjorn. Like, he's mm-hmm. been the guy expressing reservations about his plans since way before anyone said, your luck has run out. Uh, but he still kept the faith, right? He still remained loyal to Askeladd despite um, having doubts. And, you know, you were talking about the other week uh, uh, a part of faith like true faith being doubt misgivings being working through mm. it in your head and 
funnily enough, like Bjorn is the one to remain. And the people that were blindly following Askeladd, like, because oh, everything is rosy and they bling, don't have a, Yeah, and, they're lacking you know. perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. They, it wasn't, like, rooted in anything to do with, like, Askeladd. It was, like, the good times are rolling. So we will remain here. Um, but now they're they're off. And uh, that's the episode, pretty much, is when uh, the, we're, we're left totally in a cliffhanger. Because how are Bjorn and the prince Canute and Thorfinn gonna get free here? I mean, uh, what is Thorkell gonna do? I mean, take Thorfinn for example. He wants to kill Asgard himself, of course, but he's operating under this framework where he wants to do it inside this honorable jewel, rather mm-hmm. than you know the thing I've said before, which is to stick him in his sleep. But, right. I mean, this yeah. is why you know. I mean, this is why I'm the you know the dark horse of this podcast. I'm the one always suggesting the renegade option, but. Uh, like, I wonder to myself, like, if Thorfinn would actually jump to his defense, like, no one gets to kill him but me, eventually. Maybe. It's been a while. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, well, before we get into talking points, um, I should not need to take a small break. Do you want to stay on camera and answer questions or whatever and entertain, or do you want to just... Uh... I will, I will, hold, I will hold the fort, my friend. You go take your right. small break. I will I be will... back momentarily. Go for it. So, uh, while Doc is away, uh, I'm going to just lead into one of my talking points here, which is actually the one about body language that I mentioned before. Because this is just not really so much of a thematic discussion, this particular part. It's more just me going on about technical elements I saw in this episode. Like, as I've kind of criticized Vinland Saga a couple of times before now on, you know, certain letdowns it's had on its animation side of things. For example, um, <clears throat> like background characters being statically animated or just plain flat. Like that happens a couple of times in this episode, like when they're crossing the bridge, you get a panning shot going left to right, but they're not moving. And again, like, you know, animation is difficult work for little money. So I'm really not so inclined as to, you know, jump on people's backs too hard when it, they are cutting corners a little bit. Unless you're making a key, and in which case you can go fuck yourself. But let's talk about body language. So let's start with the very beginning of the episode when Canute sees Ragnar's dead body. Now, after like a little bit of discussion, uh, or rather the talk from Asklad, where he reveals what he says is the truth anyway, Canute uh, falls back to you know to the earth, like he falls on his backside in shock and grief. And I thought that was a really, really naturalistic response to seeing like the death of a loved one that close to you. Um, it was conveyed quite well. And then we get various sh- close-up shots, both of, like, uh, Asclad and Canute's eyes. So Asclad, uh, these close-ups here of his eyes, uh, they're particularly uh, present when he's torturing the uh, English captain. And that shows his, like, cold demeanour, you know, like, that you can see this man up close, but there's no humanity in him anymore. Not for probably a couple of years at this point. Um, whereas when we see it with Canute, we can see that he's becoming hard in a similar way. There's nothing in those eyes anymore. There's no spark, no humanity. Like, Askeladd's lessons are taking root, uh, whether Canute realises it or not, whether Askeladd realises it or not. But yeah, body language is quite important in this episode. Uh, also, uh, another nice little moment I liked, when the ear runs up and says, Askeladd, Askeladd! Like, Askeladd looks him like a... Oh, shit. Without, without saying that out loud, of course. Um, but he immediately intuits from the ears, like, behavior and the way he runs up all exasperated that the enemy is here. He's not 
you know, um, he doesn't simply go, oh my god, like, is something wrong? He already can, he's smart enough to recognise what that it means when he's coming to do that. So I really like that the characters behave in these very naturalistic ways and that they have the in portrayed intelligence to in turn react to other characters' bodily language and intuit things from that. Uh, so good shit to the... I presume this is put on the manga cast part, but if nothing else, at least good shit to Witch Studio for preserving that from, uh, you know, from the manga to the anime, where it's not just about simply characters like looking straight at the camera and talking at each other, but there is actual physical interaction, be it either direct, such as when, you know, Asclad pats Bjorn on the shoulder, or, for example, you know, as I mentioned, that scene with the ear, uh, you know, where you can see from his body language and the fact that he looks like he's just literally shat himself, that, oh yeah, they're all here, uh, and he can immediately say, alright, I know they're all here, how many we got? So, just a, just a small quick shout out to the good like way that the you know the characters emote in this episode. There's a lot of good stuff here, and it's always worth noting when we have it. Agree, hard agree. I'm sorry I missed the front end of that point. I was just basically elaborating on the various body language elements of this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, Canute falling over when he sees Ragnar, you know, um, Ragnar's corpse. Uh, when, for example, uh, we see Asclad up close in his eyes and they're all cold and dead, and we get a similar thing with Canute Lear, where we've got Canute up close, that kind of thing. And then also, like, the gasping reactions that he has, various moments like, like, a lot of, like, characters' understanding is communicated to us, and indeed mm -hmm. to each other, through body language. And as you can see right. from, if you're watching this on video right now, look at me, I'm gesticulating all the time. Because that's how we communicate. It feels very naturalistic. So, mm -hmm. good shit to the show for doing that. Good job. Good job. That's just a sort of a subtle thing. That is nice to see. That level of detail. As opposed to doing talk. something like this, where I will talk to you straight at the camera. Like this. For I 20 don't minutes. No, what you mean. <laughs> this is natural. It's what I do. All the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm getting flashbacks to some of the other shows I've seen that I just would prefer not to think about. Well, don't look, don't look, think look, about them. Looking look at you, looking at you, Akikan. Don't don't think about Akikan. Uh, let's think I about. Care. I don't I don't care how it's pronounced. Fuck it. <laughs> let's think about anyway, the bridge. Let's, let's talk about, about the bridge. The bridge. Um, the bridge, bridge over the river. Why did we get here? Why did we yeah. come here? This is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. The 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 bridge. Oh boy! So, uh, I th this was a really cool scene. I feel like this is a we've used this word a few times about the show. Layered. Uh, whoa, well, doc, layered. doc, doc! You're muted. Damn it! <laughs> All right. So, uh, I would very much like to just ask if there's anyone in the audience who is a lip reader, <laughs> or if you want to. I will put an open challenge to you. If you can, you you know, clip this video out, you can put whatever words you want over Doc now, and it's going to be great. Oh, still amateur hour over here. Uh, all right. Well, we we are we are worried. Desho is probably I, bad. Yep. Okay. There's the name. You know what it means. Um. Don't make okay. me tap the sign. <laughs> all right. Let me let me uh, restate what uh, what I was going to say. I don't know if we were saying anything about your point, but um. Uh, the bridge. We're going to talk about the bridge, and I think that it is uh, layered. 
a layered scene. Um, there, there's a lot to it. Um, I think there's like more than kind of one. How do I say? Like, uh, it's a symbolism, but like you could kind of fit so many things on there that it represents. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting symbolically. Ooh, the whole bridge. I've just had I've just had a random thought. Okay. So you said earlier about the fact that tactically speaking, the bridge doesn't offer that much. Like, okay, yeah, it'll slow them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're up to ankle depth on that bridge on that river, you know. Mm-hmm. So what? Like, right. if you if Farkel was thirsty, he'd drink the entire river dry. Is that <laughs> is that shallow? Yeah, he could probably jump it. Just so conspiracy, like. Go with me on this, right? Conspiracy theory here. What if Asgard was destroying the bridge not because of anything to do with Farkel whatsoever, but because he deliberately wanted to stoke that uh, animosity amongst his men and try and use it as a way of rooting out potential traitors? Hmm. Do you think it might be counterproductive to, like, his safety? <laughs> like, I, Well, Asgard is clearly the best warrior among them. Uh-huh. Like one of them, so I don't think he would probably be too intimidated. But I mean, the guys, res- these guys, respond to power in return, and and you know, uh, martial prowess, which is something I'll get to in a bit when we talk about Farkel. Yeah, but um, but it's a I'm thirty just to one, I'm... a thirty to one scenario here. I feel like I don't, I don't know. I reckon he could probably you know do all right. But yeah, like, but then again, like even then though, you know, could still be doing that plan, but just not anticipating that many people would turn against him. Could be a number of ways you read it. Sure. Sure, I, I feel like he, he did. Probably, he did say it was. Um, a, he did say it was a gamble, after all. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I think he probably understands the nature of mercenaries, having been one so long. Mm-hmm. He know, like he probably knows that like there are people that will turn on him if things get bad enough. And I'm sure he was anticipating something like this, but to do it deliberately for that reason seems like um, it seems like shooting yourself in the foot when you really need to get away. Mm-hmm. Right, or maybe yeah, or maybe he's deliberately trying to push his men away because you know he knows that if I see a lost cause, who can say? I mean, it is literally destroying a bridge, and that sets off the events in which you know his men turn on him. The symbolism is very key here and very apparent. Yeah, yeah, this is the point that um, this is the bit about it that I kind of wanted to start off on, right? That um, that it sort of represents like. The fact that uh, his men, you know, they've been having misgivings for a couple episodes, but this episode they have reached the point of no return. Mm -hmm. There's no going back across the bridge. The bridge has been not burned, but it has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. And that is the point that they've come to with Askeladd. And, you know, why why did they come to this point um i think that one of the things i i find interesting in stories in general and they kind of do it here is um prophecies and mm-hmm. whether or not they're like self-fulfilling mm. and you know the idea of a prophecy not being foreknowledge but being like uh kind of a um what's the word i'm looking for like planting a powerful suggestion and mm-hmm. then uh, it's, it's sort of betting on the outcome that it will probably come to pass. Self-fulfilling uh, even a little bit? 
I, exactly. So like, yeah, I mean, this I mean, whole I've, thing I've, about I've, uh, go yeah. Ahead. I, I cited a study once, I think, on this podcast. I don't know what it was. might have been in Saren's and I, of the school kids who were told, like, you know, oh, you're going to achieve X and Y throughout the year. But reality, the experiment involved them being told completely randomly, you know, what they were going to get. And lo and behold, they fell in line with those expectations. Kids who had previously been very smart mm. uh, suddenly underperformed and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. it's That's an interesting it's it, angle, you know, because do you reach a point of no return with that kind of thing where you you repeat it enough or you hear it enough that it becomes your react or perception becomes mm-hmm. reality for you and you just kind of believe it and buy into it and that matters more than i mean there's no way to empirically confirm whether or not Ascalite has lost his luck I mean, luck is not a quantifiable property. So I really, I've wrote, I've wrote two thirds of a book about it. Would you believe? <laughs> That's right. So, like, literally, this is just all about like perception, and yeah, I mean, this whole suggestion has, has you know, fucked Askeladd, and I think his men, uh, kind of physically and mentally, have reached this point of no return with yeah. him. And well, um, because of this this prophecy, uh, mm-hmm. also, and and that's taken root in their minds, and they can't kind of reverse course on it. Yeah. Well, I, the thing is, like, even as you say, you can't, of course, empirically quantify luck. Um, but it doesn't. But funny enough, this is something I wrote about in the book that I'm currently trying my best to finish after all this torturous time. Uh, the point being is that it doesn't matter whether that's true or not; it's whether or not you believe it. So if you believe, like, you know. And based on your own uh, eyes and what you see, that, oh yeah, I've been Vasclad all this time, and we've had some great rollicking times, we've had some fantastic pillage and plunder. Mm-hmm. You've you seen that gold? you seen those crowns? We've had them. We've had all the good times. And now look at us. Now look at us. We're just wallowing in the shit here, and we've got a, you know, a man who might as well have literally come down from, you know, Asgard himself, you know, to, to, to just wreck our shit. Yeah. Uh, any surprise that you might think, no, I'm done. Like, I'm getting out while the going's good. Like, it's it's an understandable sentiment, uh, even though, regardless of whether or not I'm right on the idea that Askeladd did this to start, you know, this little, like, rebellion amongst mm-hmm. his men deliberately. The pragmatic reality is that Falkel's going to kill them all regardless. And yes. indeed, the episode shows that to us deliberately. Like, that's yes. not this, that's not an accident that we see that in the same episode, that he kills the people who try and betray Ascalad anyway. Uh, and, you know, yeah, his plan might not work, but at least he's got a plan in mind. He's doing things. He's taking actions, you know, to try and stay one step ahead of Falkel. Mm-hmm. Working, though it's not. I mean, I don't see any of the other people offering a better suggestion other than, oh, we go up to Falkel and then we get turned into hamburger. <laughs> I know, yeah, we've seen how that works. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, and in, in, in chat, uh, Andy, or no, sorry, Dana, has put forward, uh, what if the the bridge sort of symbolizes a sort of Rubicon crossing moment, you know, point of no return for Canute also? Mm-hmm. Um it could do, like, the only reason that didn't, because I am, I need to be beat over the head with a subtlety hammer uh, a lot of times, but uh, it, the the show didn't really focus too much on kind of how he was feeling this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, obviously, we we know like the scenes that we do get, it's pretty clear, and we can like easily interpret them. Um, I guess I just don't. Um, yeah, I just need to see more before I buy into that as like a water, a real watershed moment for him. Um, you know, he's already he's already kind of come through. Well, I, I I don't know. So he's come through that big slaughter in the village, but he had Ragnar there to kind of help mm-hmm. buffer that. So maybe maybe this will be the thing that shakes his faith, right? Like he'll he'll have lost his uh, guardian, and mm-hmm. m- that might be the thing that that caused. Maybe that's him why to... we had that scene of the priest who, you know, after devouring the last bottle or last jug of booze mm-hmm. uh, or keg rather, he he's then takes a look at Kadu and he can see something's off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't seem it yeah. wouldn't seem reasonable for either for a man of faith to look at another man of faith and say, "There's something poisonous running through your faith, man." I can see it. Yeah, like. Yeah. Whereas there's <laughs> something poisonous running through me right now, and that's this entire <laughs> keg of beer I drank. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's and Canute, of course, is in the position where he doesn't really have to listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he can kind of his own ideas of the of the faith uh, like he can just have them and just be like hey priest i mean he's already basically just been like hey priest how dare you like how dare you doubt the love of the father so he probably wouldn't take it what he had to say seriously but i mean clearly he needs to take a lesson here on this stuff mm-hmm. um uh, I guess yeah the, lesson, the dark downhouse right? look for sure no you're right like he he has that that is a thing um mm-hmm. yeah and it's clearly he is grieving and i have no idea how he's going to process it and what it's going to turn into mm-hmm. no idea um i oof. i mean something to mention as well though like that I, in addition to a whole you know does he know or not bear in mind canute's grown up in a household where the red wedding was basically something that was a, a saturday morning repeat for most of his life Right. So he's seen a lot of skullduggery. He's seen a lot of betrayal in the open, mm-hmm. you know, out in the open. So, you know, I'm thinking he's pretty damn skippy that Asgard's done it, despite any oh, assertions yeah. to the contrary. Because he's not, yeah. like, you know, he's perhaps a little naive, but he's, like, you know, the thing he's, things he's seen throughout his life of all the murder in his family's court. I mean, how can you not draw a parallel to that? Yeah. He may be a coward, but he's not an idiot. Nope. Certainly not. So, uh, I've Man's gonna have his like you know uh, Rambo first blood moment. I reckon he's gonna you know completely lose his shit. Yes. Uh, I was actually thinking more of platoon. My apologies. Uh, wrong uh, Vietnam War flick there. Uh, but anyway, uh, right. So talking point from me. So uh, Asgard makes a big deal in this episode of a man should follow his own leader or like a leader of his choosing. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny. Uh, he his philosophy is proven greatly successful, not for himself, mind you, but for Farkel. Because bear in mind what Farkel has been doing all this time. He is a Dane, but he's fighting for the English and picking the fight he wants to fight because yep. it suits his purposes best. And look at all the episodes we've seen Farkel through thus far. He's living the life. He's living it up large. He's you know drinking well. He's eating well. His men think he's fucking awesome. And he's killing his way through people like it's just nothing. And he's enjoying every second of it. Like, he really is a kid at Christmas. So, 
ironically, Askeladd's like philosophy, you know, in the show, it's right. It just so happens to be on the opposite side. Whereas all the other characters we've seen that this far, who thus far, who are following leaders, be it they, you know, intentionally or no, are suffering for it. Mm. Like Forkel, oh, sorry, not Forkel. Yeah, Forfin. You know, he technically is following a leader. Yeah, one that he otherwise wants dead. Mm-hmm. But he's constantly been caught in Askeladd's wake throughout the entire show's run, and you know he's not in a good place for it. Canute has been like kind of stuck with Ragnar like his whole life, and yeah, sure, you know he clearly loved him and adored him, but Askeladd is kind of correct in that Ragnar coddled him too closely. Understandable reaction, all of that, like you know, is understandable behavior, but it hasn't left him ready for the world ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of Askeladd's men now have come, you know, wise that lesson that oh god, you know, we've we picked this leader to follow, uh, and now it's falling purpose. Whereas Askeladd only really answered to himself for how much of the show's run until this point. He's done pretty well for himself also. So the irony is like, you know, I think this I think the show is like trying to say that following a leader or a king or something like that is, you know, just because it's expected mm-hmm. isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It needs to be for reasons that gel with your own viewpoint and your own philosophy. Or failing that you just simply go on your own way. You are your own leader, which yeah. I suspect is what's to happen to Thorfinn eventually when, you know, he becomes an explorer. Right. And I... Is, is Thorkell even following a leader? <laughs> I feel like he's just kind of no, doing Thorkell. whatever he wants no, he, to do. No, well, that's what I'm saying. He's following himself. He is his own leader. I'm sorry, you cut out for just a second. Can you repeat? For, for, Thorkell, Thorkell is his own leader. Yes. That's the point. Yes. No, completely. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's, again, like, I I don't know. I, you made a good distinction there, I think. Like, it's not the following, but, like, it's the reasons for following that mm-hmm. maybe are suspect, right? Like, if you are just following just because it's what you've been told to do or whatever. Like with religion? Not, right, right. Um not good enough uh, to mm-hmm. you. You could be led into something bad with that, but you know, uh, if you are following uh, only because it's riches and good times and all that stuff, then eventually uh, that will run out and bad things will happen. But like, but if you're following for um, for principles and and you have a person that you're following or your own self that like really embodies and lives out uh the principles that you care about like even if you meet a bad end it will be what you wanted to do you know mm-hmm. so um yeah so basically don't be a fanatic don't be an unthinking uncritical follower of someone or something right like, for all that Canute, for example, in the previous episode was like, don't you dare question the authority of God, as I elaborated on. Like, being critical of it isn't doesn't automatically mean you give up on it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we ourselves, you and I, Doc, are critics of anime and other stuff, and we like a lot of shows that do have problems with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, like, it's a very binary, you know, all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you can accept, like, frameworks, philosophical frameworks, religious frameworks, 
even though there are certain elements in that you don't agree with, and you can even be, be a little bit selective if you so wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might kind of have to. <laughs> to yeah, I mean, I mean, do, do, do you want me to do you want me to start quoting Leviticus then, the original <laughs> Isekai, you know, uh, <laughs> script? Right. So, like, yeah. Uh, and even the priest in the show, like, he's still a believer, even though he has had this moment of doubt in the last episode. It's not like he's like, well, this whole God thing, zoop, taken off the cassock. It's over. Now that okay. I've doubted, see you later. <laughs> I, there's a there's a warm tropical island calling my name, fellas. It's been real. I'm out. <laughs> I can just solely see him with like a little like pineapple, uh, hold out <laughs> pineapple cup with a little umbrella in it. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Know, you, would, you would be okay with that. It's time to go to a place where the wine floweth freely. So, mm-hmm. gonna get out of the cold. Uh, but no, he like he does not like abandon his faith just because he has some doubt. So we don't even have to like necessarily reach outside of the show to illustrate that you know the point that you were making. Yeah, and on top of that, I should mention as well just something that Andy pointed out in chat earlier, which is that Askeladd, like you know, for all that he's got this philosophy, he ain't no hypocrite about it. Uh, he lets his you know he says to him, hey, you know what? You can leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Off you go. Don't like you know it's been fun and all that you know. Uh, don't forget to write, you know, hit me up on Facebook yeah. and all that. But, like, he still allows them to do that. They just ultimately decide to take it to the next level and be like, well, we will after we finish, you know, sticking you with a couple of swords. Yeah, we're going to take the prints off your hands. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. I love that. <laughs> it's like, um, well, then, I guess we see things differently. Well, goodbye. I've got somewhere to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I've got yeah, I've got I've got an appointment, you know, like, and then I'm off to the pub, like, you know, I'm having a couple of pints with friends here, you know, I'd really love to stop and chat, but mm-hmm. gotta be going. <laughs> By the way, uh, just as an aside, when they say like we're gonna t- like everyone's like treating Canute, like I basically think Canute at this point has been turned into Penelope Pit Stop, where he's just constantly like being kidnapped or like you being stolen away. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that Asklad hasn't tied him to railroad tracks yet. Well, of course, <laughs> no railroads back in those times just yet, but you know he totally would have done that if he had the opportunity. Yeah, put him on the horse road or or dropped him in the path of a ship. Um, <laughs> so, the other big talking points I have, we, we actually have kind of gone over. Um, you know, we talked about the bridge, we talked about uh, property is theft, Right, we talked about like the original sin of civilization, and we have been talking about that, so we don't have to like mm-hmm. belabor that. We talked about like the cyclical nature of it, right? The um, you know the uh, the owl, the and munching on the human, um, and that kind of scene reinforcing the whole history, uh, history mm-hmm. as cycle, history as um, the repeated crime of human against human mm. um and that that was kind of all i wanted to say about the episode all i had anyway unless you have more stuff and i will respond to it not particularly uh, other than just to restate like you know the things again now we get things are picking up but it mm-hmm. continues to be consistent with its feeds and motifs that of you know cycles history of peace itself man's humanity to man like you know that for all Askeladd, you know says oh look like you people came here you did this aid of shit to the Celts, which, by the way, the Celts, I believe, would be his ancestral people on his mother's side. Uh, so he probably feels a bit personal about that particular point. 
Um, he himself is not acting any better. Like, you'd think that for all that he clearly finds that dis that stuff distasteful, you know, the protests of, hey, we were here first, when in reality, only the Celts were. Mm. You know, he's not really, you know, being the better man, so to speak. Yeah. And yet the, the yeah. show doesn't frame this as a good thing, because this episode yeah. is also very keen to re-highlight Askeladd's cruelty. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a, like, apart from when he's talking to Bjorn and his own men, like, we've got the scenes with Canute where he lies for his teeth about the way in which Ragnar died, uh, to the point, you know, where he decides to do the manicuring, to the point where he decides to slap Canute, treating him like a girl. I mean, I would say that, you know, in that, like, if you would slap someone like that, I think that mm -hmm. might be a physical assault that you might say for a woman, in, uh, like, in that kind of misogynistic kind of way. Um, so I think it very clearly puts like, you know, what Asgard thinks of Knut right there, like, you know, you're just a wuss. You're not a man. You're not, you know, maybe you might be someday after a bit of, you know, shaping up. But at the moment, you're just pathetic. And the irony is, like, also, uh, like, Knut's whole problem is that they didn't get the chance to bury Ragnar. Here's the thing, I can't actually disagree with Asgard's feet, like, thinking on this because, well... I'm very sorry to say, Canute, but if you was wait willing to stay behind and bury, you know, Ragnar, you'd probably bury two with him along with everyone else because Thorkel would be the one there digging the grave for you because he would have caught up at that point. There's mm -hmm. no time. Like, Asgard's cruelty is on display, but he also has a lot of pragmatism that, like, you know, makes him much more complicated. And this is why he's such a fascinating villain because mm -hmm. he's not completely black and white here. He's not just simply, you know, going, Meh, and like, <laughs> you know, being yeah. cruel for cruelty's sake. He has a history that, like, informs his actions and, like, builds up his, you know, perspective on the world. And sure, when he is, like, you know, capricious, he, you know, he's vile. Like, yeah. the stuff he does with that guy, like, you know, not only is he cutting his fingers off, he's actually joking about it. Like, oh, your fingers are quite long. Oh, my, let me cry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, 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 mm -hmm. dear. Like, he's like he's the fucking joker. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, so he he, re he revel revels in that, you know. But also, as, as uh, Dana has said in chat, he's a realist and a pragmatist. So he's a very, very well-rounded and interesting villain. Um, but I think that the episode is taking its time here to re-establish his cruelty just to make that... Well, I mean, again, because we, of course, had the massacre of the villagers previously. Um, but I think it's also worth just, again, getting that back in at this particular point. Yeah, I mean, he's, they've been leaning into it for a while. And, you know, yeah. you, the fact that you brought up... Oh, so this is an interesting thing I've been, I was thinking. Um, you brought up uh, Askeladd lies, right? He's a liar. Mm -hmm. Well, he has been the one heretofore that has been kind of pushing the narrative uh, of history as a cycle of violence and, mm -hmm. you know... If you're if we're beasts, you're beasts. No civilization is really legitimate because it's all because that's him. Should we really buy this account of history? Should we should we adopt that as well, like as no, wholesale um... truth? You know what I mean? Because maybe his account of it is incomplete. Or he's just looking well, at the facts, and like the facts are never the story. Like we tell stories out of the facts, right? So he's telling the story he wants to tell, but like, is it the whole story? 
Well, I think maybe it's not such a question of whether or not we believe it to be true, but rather that Askeladd believes it to be true. That's his narrative in his head. That's his history, like the stuff that, you know, involving his father and Lydia to all the way back to the, you know, more impersonal times of his ancestors, the Celts. So the thing is, whether or not it is true, factually, he buys into it and he's willing to act on it and use it to justify his actions. Yeah, well, I guess that no, you're you're totally right about that. But that if he's right, then that calls into question like a lot about Vinland, especially if you know if Vinland is a place, uh, then it's too like then is it really like a paradise and pure if it was just uh, violently taken? From other people um i think that could pose like a kind of existential dilemma for someone like like thorfinn if he really cares about vinland anymore uh eventually i think he will but like i think it will be important to like issue Askeladd's seemingly true easy to believe like narrative of of his what history is like what kind of cycle it is so that like move that aside so you can be like look no there is actually a place that is not well, that yeah <laughs> well that ties into the idea i've said of you know Askeladd's idea uh perspective on this is well you guys have been bad but we will be worse like he says we'll use we'll inflict even greater violence on you mm. like that's his literal words mm-hmm. whereas obviously the counter narrative the the thing that I hope Thorfinn eventually realizes, and it's ironically the thing that's holding him back right now, is that I've had violence committed against me. Well, not directly to him, but rather his father was killed, mm-hmm. of course. But I could be better than that. An r- extremely difficult thing to ask of a boy. <laughs> you know, of, of a lot of people, I would of argue. Anybody, like, of know. anybody, let alone a kid, you know. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's the easiest thing in the world, you know, to be wronged and then to think, well, I'll just wrong you back, eye for an eye. But the thing is, like, you know, the problem with eye for an eye is that, you know, everyone ends up blind. True. Very true. Um, another thing I thought about when you were talking about Askeladd. Uh, so he makes this juxtaposition uh, between... He, he and Bjorn, when they're talking, um, there's a dichotomy between a leader who's weak and can be used by other powerful people to take power and a leader who is strong and who other powerful people want to follow because he's strong. Um, and Askeladd wants to make Canute into the latter. But the make being able to make someone into the latter doesn't that disqualify them from being like he is the former he is moldable and weak mm. yeah. <laughs> like it's interesting well, it's may- like maybe, bit... maybe maybe that's a bit of egotism on Askeladd's part because yeah. he clearly runs he clearly you know he plays by his own rules and he says well I'm going to shape the kid and everyone will follow a lead they can believe in so what they really he really means to say is I can't be the king of course as I'm not of royal descent but I could just basically, you know, mold this kid into, like, you know, me. And yeah. just, you know, let him pick up where I left off. Totally. That kind of thing. So even then, it's just a little bit of rampant egotism from his part. 
yeah i'll i'll be ruling from behind the throne sort of thing i mean not that's not what he's saying but it's a similar kind of idea i think and it's just mm-hmm. was funny to me that like you know actually canute would be both of those things both of those different and diametrically opposed things he would just be going from one to the other via Ascalad. um i just thought i thought that was interesting um but that's kind of all that's kind of all i have this week shadon same here that i well, really we have oh, we have a question from a patron though so we'll cover that oh yeah time. so this one comes from the the always lovely mirror on the wall shouts to you mirror uh this one's quite simple uh, at least on paper anyway do you think Bjorn will always stay loyal to Askeladd? Simple as that. Uh, here's the thing for me. Uh, this is this could just be a simple yes or no question, but to go into it a little deeper, I think that Bjorn is probably the most loyal of Askeladd's men because he has that sense of perspective that I mentioned earlier, you know, that he recognises a lot of things for what they are, like in all the good things Askeladd has brought, but he also recognises the situations in front of him, like... You might have fucked up here, potentially. You might have made a fucky-wookie, as we call it. Um, But, like, I think that, you know, his loyalty is not infinite. I just think he has a lot more of it to call on than, say, the Jojo bros that we mentioned before, the the brothers, or or a lot of other people. Um, So I think that his loyalty is genuine, and there's plenty of it, if not more of it, than plenty of other people in Askeladd's group. But I'm going to say that I don't think it's going to be infinite. He, like, he, you know, he'll probably be the last one to stand again with Askeladd's side, but if he reckons the chips are truly down, he'll probably call it a day. I don't so, think, I don't think, I don't think his loyalty is, like, completely and utterly absolute, unbreakable, mm. but I think it's going to be very, very tough. Hmm. Huh. So, um, my answer to this question is hard i don't know i'm gonna try to articulate what i think um so i think he's loyal to ask the person i don't think he's he's loyal to the success or failure mm. of, of ah, that's a that's a great distinction i like that a lot yeah so like i think that's why like i said he's been the person who's been questioning him the longest right like from way back you know he's been like do you really think that's a good idea or like maybe we should do something else um there was a point where i thought he was going to go against him uh i can't remember the the exact moment but he was asked to do something and there was like a really long pause where he just kind of stared at Ascalad, and then finally he he did it um Mm. so i think that he can doubt Ascalad with and mm. and has done, um, and probably will do and will recognize like man, Ascalad is really fucked up here. <laughs> but I think he's thrown his lot in with this guy, and I think he's the sort of character it seems to me that I don't know. There like whenever he makes a commitment that like matters to him. He's not one to easily change sides willy-nilly mm. based on like which way the wind is blowing. 
So I actually yeah. think he will end up dying in Askeladd's service because I think that they are probably about to die. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, shit's gonna happen. Shit, yeah. shit is definitely gonna go down. Or, uh, or, but no, that's a, that's a that's a great perspective. Then. Like the thing to note that I think is really important with like Bjorn's role is that it's very easy for someone who is successful to be surrounded by yes men. But the thing that often mm-hmm. makes people a lot of success was having that outside perspective of someone who they've got your back but they're still critical of you in a constructive way. And that's kind of like, I would say that like the word that I would use to describe Bjorn is he's Askeladd's major domo. Mm, mm-hmm. That's the one I would go with. I mean, sure, you know, he's all about the mushrooms and all that and all about the mass murder and the pillage and the plunder, but he's also not an idiot. He recognizes a lot of things what they are and is willing to actually like discuss with Askeladd like what his plans are. He'll still follow him. But he's not going to be completely uncritical like, you know, Oh, yes, Askeladd, let's go do this. It's a brilliant idea. Oh, my. Whatever you say, you got the brilliant ideas, boss. You got the right ideas, boss. I'm (laughs) just eating the mushrooms. Don't mind me. And and I think Andy brings up a good point, too. Like, there was, there there were scenes in earlier episodes where Bjorn wanted to know what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. And Askeladd, like, wouldn't tell him. And, I mean, we, you know, found out that it's because, you know, he's wanted to keep all the Danes at a distance because he doesn't really care for them mm-hmm. as a Welshman. Um, but Bjorn is a guy who, I mean, it's interesting. Like, would, like, would his loyalty to him, I mean, I don't know if you could say it would increase anymore because, like, he's been loyal to a fault thus far, but like, would that, would they have been closer? Like, would that have made things better for Askeladd or worse? Like is part of the reason Bjorn is loyal to him to do with that mystique that he has. Uh, Maybe Askeladd cultivates a little that exactly because of that reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen the power of like, you know, like for Kel, he's, he's as good as everyone says he is. But the like the myth of who he is alone is quite powerful. Like you know the uh, legend, like you know the way people react to him, his reputation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Asgard, I think himself is like cultivated a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. in some way, like that's worked with Bjorn, but it's also proved to be his undoing with his men because they've bought too deeply into that reputation <laughs> rather than the reality of it. Mm-hmm. The luckiest man alive. He's drunk all Oops. the luck juice. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Askeladd completely fucks up by deciding to go running through the mirror store in town when he, you know, before this all happened. Whoops. I know, yeah. I've just crossed under seven ladders and, you know, about 12 mm. black cats have crossed my path. We're good, though. Mm. Just keep marching. Yeah. Um, oh, well. You've never seen the vision of Escaflone, but there is. There is a, a a short story arc where the villains believe they have, in fact, uh, quantified luck and mm-hmm. made it into a juice. <laughs> ah, that's also the Red Dwarf joke as well, believe it or not. Oh, okay. That's in Red Dwarf. <laughs> that that's the one where uh, Rimmer becomes like a, uh, you know, possessed by a virus and starts talking with Mister Flibble, the penguin. Oh, it's in uh, it's I, in Harry Potter also. I just now remember. Oh, guy, who, who gives a shit? About Harry <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, I give a shit about Harry Potter. How dare you? I'll not have you talk bad about the Wizarding World. Now, if you want to talk about the author, please feel free. Oh, the oh, works. Uh, 
are good. Oh boy, they're good. I I, I, I like to imagine that J.K. Rowling got very very angry about like certain exam results she had when she was much younger. Like, no, 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 I I totally do that. I totally do that. I like you know I knew the answers that I did write it down at the time, but I knew it. I swear, I swear. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, so fucking what? Ain't on the paper. It don't fucking count. <laughs> Tough shit. Oh, they had an intense sexual relationship, did Dumbledore and uh, Grindelwald. Grindelwald, yeah, it is Grindelwald. Uh, And and I'm like, oh, that's great. Are you writing fan fiction for your own works now? Maybe you should put that there in the first place rather than hopping on the bandwagon of whatever's, you know, currently, you know, socially acceptable. Just saying, you know. Yeah, this is like one instance where um, if if only that person had stayed off Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. If only. What, what what J.K. Rowling needed was to hire someone whose entire job was just simply to slap her phone out of her hands every time she was using it for anything other than making a phone call. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of people on this planet, probably myself included, who could probably use someone like that. Maybe that should be a career path. Who knows? All right. But anyway, that's the only Patreon question we had today. So it goes, thank you very much, Mira, for throwing that out there. Thank you, Mira. Uh, if you would like to get involved on asking those questions, you can do so by uh, coming into our Discord, which means becoming a patron. Do that for as little as $2 a month. Uh, gives you access to a load of great new content that we've got currently already in the bank and actually on the way very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, do feel to check that out at patreon.com slash Desho. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh... But before we go, though, since we've done our patron question, can we check in on the polls from this? We week? can indeed. Uh, just two for this week, though, uh, so far. So, episode sixteen, poll one. After being slapped by Askeladd, do you think Canute realizes or intuits the truth of Ragnar's death? Sixty percent say yes, and forty percent say no. So we've got a bit of both. They're both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's time for episode sixteen, poll two. Uh, what is the standard four kel diet per day? Uh, <laughs> 29% said two bears. 43% said 24 chickens, eaten whole. Mm-hmm. 14% said three cows and two pigs. And the last one, uh, which I'm surprised hasn't got more votes because I just imagine it in my head and it's one of the funniest things ever. Okay. Uh, one angry goose, 14%. Because <laughs> all I want to imagine is just for Kel running around in his dopey little way chasing after a goose who's going honk honk. Is it the untitled goose? Yes. In fact, <laughs> someone make me fan out of 4Kel chasing the goose in the Untitled Goose game in that particular, you know, art style. I um, reckon that would be incredible. If that goose can yeah, show goosey, up... Yeah, goosey, goosey, goosey. If, if the goose can show up in End of Evangelion, he can show up in Vendel Saga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. But yeah, uh, feel free to check out those polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, pop your thoughts in there if you've not already done so. Uh, they'll be running for the entire week. That's right. At Watery Death Show on Twitter to participate. Uh, mm. Here we go, though. We're going to rate the episode. Um, Shadon, how do you rate this episode? Uh, well, much the same as the last one, actually, in that, you know, we're seeing the progression of the plot now, finally. Like, things are actually happening rather than being more thesis statements. Like, this time and place, though, certainly, but we're mm-hmm. actually seeing, like, you know, relationships shift and, like, the board being reshuffled, like, with, you know, changing allegiances and alliances. Mm-hmm. So things are starting to really, really heat up. And I appreciate that because, like I say, my complaints previously still kind of stand up. I wish the middle part had moved at a more brisk pace. So that's good. But it isn't losing sight of those thesis statements, all those morals or, you know, themes that uh, Vinland Saga has. And it's exploring them in new ways and showing us, like, you know, different shades to the characters and offering us different lenses towards the same thing. So 
it's really, really well fleshed out, this. And again, props to the episode for having both great musical cues, yes. uh, particularly with the one around, uh, as I think Andy mentioned, uh, the music that plays when Canute is slapped, or you know the music in uh, the hut where Ragnar's body lies, mm. uh, and also the excellent use of body language to help communicate more naturalistic like dialogue and conversation between characters, where their reactions are not based strictly on what they're saying, but rather the reactions to, you know, how people are emoting. So there's a lot of really, really good stuff in this episode, and I don't really have many complaints beyond just simply some stiffness of animation or some bits where they, again, cut a couple of corners, but so what? I'm not sacking, guys, so I'd rather <laughs> you do a good script than anything else, and it's certainly, you know, getting back to the standard I saw in early in the show. So with all that said, uh, I'm going to raise it slightly lower than the last episode I raised it. Uh, I will give this episode uh, 4.25 human kebabs out of 5. All right, I'm going to restart the call because um, I heard everything you said, but it's it's uh, veering into the robos. So I'm going to restart. Just waiting on shade Don. Whoops. He's two squares circling each other. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, there he is. He's back. I'm a beautiful thing as well. I'll just call you. Yeah, Let's I just call you on that. Just, just throw it out there. You know, don't be, don't be throwing shade on me. Don't, be, you know, I know that's my name and all that, but come on. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go the same rating as you. Just uh, a four two five. Um, because I thought it was really good, but uh. I don't know, there just wasn't that, like, um, signature great moment for me to hang on to. Um, well, do, 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 you, do you want them to kill uh, Ragnar again? <laughs> um, yes, I would like that. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to try restarting the call one more time, just because mm -hmm. your image is, your face is frozen. Um, but if we can't get, we're, we're almost done. We're, we're just trying to power through the last bit here. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Gonna restart the video call. Maybe next episode I'll let you start the call so you can Might post be on idea. your side. So okay, but uh, yeah, four point two five. Um, you know, uh, illegitimate civilizations out of five. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, that's. I think that's going to do it for uh, this week for episode 16 of Inland Saga. Uh, stream of thought. Thanks for hanging out with us. Mm. Um, Shadon, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Shaden1010. You can hit me up with anything that you like. Uh, except for Akikan fan art, Shield Hero <laughs> fan art, and fan art of other stuff that I would literally rather, you know, stick a rabid hedgehog in my eye than look at. Uh, don't show me any of those things either. Uh, at the subtle doctor on Twitter, and uh, also in our Discord, which we've uh, plugged already. But uh, please, you know, we would love to see you around. If you are a patron and haven't been in the Discord, we would highly encourage you. You know, it's um, it's there for you. There's a lot of cool people there. We uh, we play games on the weekends together. We um, you know, chat, uh, hang out. Uh, there's a lot of cool and interesting people. So um, that's a, one another incentive for you to become a Waru Destro patron. But mm -hmm. 
if you're not able to and you can't support us financially, we're fine with that too. We just we appreciate your listenership, your fandom, either way. Um, but if you still like to help us, uh, you can write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. You can uh, follow us on SoundCloud, share our stuff there, subscribe on YouTube, click the bell um, to be notified when our stuff drops. You can, you know, follow on Twitter also um, and Twitch where we're streaming now. Uh, is that the call coming out now or is that just you malfunctioning that's just me um, yeah just google Wari Desha we're there um, <laughs> and having said all that mouthful uh, let me take the time to just say thank you everyone for hanging out thank you everyone for watching on demand listening on your podcast player of choice uh, we've got Kabuchiko, no, Kabukicho, Sherlock, <laughs> coming up uh, soon. More like Sher Sherkrock. <laughs> hey oh, oh man, a Sherkrock. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh man, oh, I man. have my moments. That's good. I have my moments. That's good. Um, we got that coming up. Um, uh, but. Uh, we also have some more uh, some more cool content that's going to drop quite soon. For Indeed, I will be working on it uh, pretty much immediately after this call concludes. Uh, Tokyo Godfathers is imminent, folks. It yeah. is recorded in full. It just needs editing and a little touch of music, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of sprinkle on the top, you know, get <laughs> it all nice and, and polished up. <laughs> exactly. But otherwise, you can expect it this week. That's right. Uh, uh, Tokyo yep. Godfathers audio essay by Mr. Shaden coming out oh hell yes for all you uh, lovely patrons indeed and then i'll be starting work on my next project the mystery shit show <laughs> that also features christmas by the way but that's the only hint i'm giving you well look with all that glorious content on the horizon <laughs> you have no reason not to tune in um until uh we are in your ears or on your screen next uh from shadon this is the subtle doctor saying Embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night.